time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Five-minute freak. Um, this is kind of an unusual one, but you'll probably be seeing a few of these, especially over the summer since it's nice weather. Um, I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with my neighbor, Scott McGregor. Good evening. Who you'll remember from the Star Trek Into Darkness podcast. We are on Scott's back porch of his house because apartment. the apartment <laughs> in, in the house that he lives in, because it's about... 1017 degrees today and this is much nicer than sitting in a sweaty studio inside the house so we got my portable recorder so you'll hear some outside sounds you'll hear scotty smoking cigarettes yeah and uh because we can do that on this podcast it's, freedom yeah <laughs> in, a, in a way freedom to damage Not, yeah no freedom from cancer but you know freedom freedom to smoke so smoke them if you got them if you're listening and you're a smoker and you're stuck somewhere you can't smoke, well, I guess you're going to be grinding your teeth every time we light up, but there you go. Anyway, we watched uh, the DC animated version of Batman the, the Dark Knight Returns over the last two nights, first part last night, and then we just finished watching the second part. So this is just going to be a little shit can review of it. So overall, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. I you know, I I basically bought the first part when it first came out on, on Blu-ray mm-hmm. and just decided I needed to have it and, and did the same with the second part because, I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, we're in our 40s, so uh, Dark Knight Returns is a comic book. You know, if you were into comic books at that time, yeah, the late 80s, deal. that was yeah. pretty much, yeah, the, the new holy grail of comicdom it was truly a mind blower at yeah. that time it was the first sort of dark you know gritty reimagining and in a semi-realistic con context although you know it was frank miller so it had a lot of like exaggerated political social commentary but it was local for the time too i mean it was timely at the time you know, oh it was yeah definitely set in late 80s america and it was yeah it was that really resonated with you reading it at that time surprisingly enough the movie adaptation of it is sort of set in the 80s too yeah i mean it's pretty much adopts the same timeline the same feel all the way through. I mean, it's actually one of the best from the comic adaptations I've seen DC do. I was surprised how Frank Millery it was because I remember seeing screenshots of it and stuff and thought, ah, well, it's got little elements of it, but it's pretty much that DC animated style. But as you watched it, like some, you know, especially... Well, they definitely freeze frame on the panels for you. I mean, which Mm -hmm. is kind of nice, which is what Frank Miller did in SimCity movie. 
um, pretty well. Is they just their whole you know scenes that are just torn right out of the comic book. So it's some nice fan service there. And, uh, but the rest of it, the action parts, uh, I, you know, I think the animation is really good in that too, and it goes into more of a 3D type of animation mm-hmm. for, for action. But I think it's a pretty seamless transition. Yeah, it was funny because the first part I found I was totally drawn into it and my two critiques of it were um, and you'd mentioned it before we saw it and I definitely noticed it was sort of a phoning it in <coughs> by Peter Weller but then I was sort of noticing only in the first part and I think I, yeah. just, I noticed that just watching it this maybe the third time maybe only in the second time I watched the second part and it, he definitely upped his game in the second part there was a little more for him to do action wise but mm-hmm. it's actually kind of like night and day which is yeah, one of my big complaints about it. But, well, uh, I, I don't know if it was if they di- made this in two different parts or something, but everybody seemed kind of a little stilted in the. It was almost like a David Lynch movie where everybody's sort of reading their lines. Yeah. And uh, for the most part, there, you know, some other like Robin was yeah very fluid and natural in, in the first part, but in the second part it was like night and day. It was I I, I didn't even it, it was. About ten or fifteen minutes in, that I was just like, "Oh, wait a minute! I haven't even noticed it yet because everybody's yeah. acting so well yeah. in this one." It, it definitely had more. And the, I, the first one I really enjoyed. The second one was just crazy. It was yeah. throwing stuff at the screen all the time. It had some laugh out loud moments to it. It was. I thought they did the fights and everything like really exceptionally in this yes. one. I mean, it's. One thing to kind of use your imagination and vision at reading Miller's, you know, two-dimensional work, but I think they really seeing Superman and Batman yeah, that fight was just epic. It was really nice, it was epic as it needed to be. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I just it, 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 the the second part was the first part. I thought they drew back a little bit on the violence, and they were doing that sort of thing that ah, maybe kids will watch this so. We'll make sure that not as many people die, you yeah. know, or it looks like people would die, but we'll, 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 is, I always call it the A-team moment, Yeah. where you just fill a van full of bullets from oh, a yeah. machine gun, it flips over five times, blows up, and then they dub in the voice of someone going, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. What yeah. about you? Yeah, yeah, we're all okay. Or the old G.I. Joe cartoons where everyone gets to bail out of the <laughs> plane that was just destroyed. At the last second, mm-hmm. yeah. So I thought they were doing that, you know, the episode one thing where we'll, we'll make an army of robots so the death count, it'll be robots and clones, and that way it's not as... Yeah, we can mow down tens of thousands of them. And, yeah, and it won't be as morally bad, but the second part, <coughs> ah, the di- dispense with that, it was That was violent. a brutal joker, wasn't it? That was you a get, joker. I mean, two, you see 220 people or something die in one sequence of it, yeah, horribly. And we were talking about it. They actually upped the brutality from the comic, mm-hmm. even, I mean, in that. Because in, in the Joker, you know, 30-year-old spoilers or whatever, but in the, <laughs> in the comic book, it, uh, when he's doing the talk show, his, you know, his psychiatrist gets killed by one of the flying mutant android Dolls it, carrying like gas, Chucky dolls. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, this the, the inbred hillbilly Chucky dolls, right? Which I'm, I'm still I, I don't try to figure out too much, but it's part <laughs> of the plot. But in this one, the Joker just brutally, you know, slashes his throat, and, you know, leaves him bleeding, and and then the rest of the audience gets killed by the gas. But it was just like 
that and when he's being chased he's just mowing down people left and right you know, shooting young lovers in lovers lane <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hurling well, the, bodies out of the way that scene is sadistic yeah. it's truly sadistic it's, and it's uh, you know it's funny because a lot of the stuff that happened in the comic originally becomes kind of became comes kind of sensitive issues now yeah, you know, like a shooter running around like yeah. a first person, oh, yeah. just picking off people, has a lot of resonance these days. And there's buildings getting hit with missiles, mm-hmm. and it's it, you know, it, it's it's got a lot of weird. Yeah, so just from the guts factor for DC putting out something that harsh in this day and age, you know, and producing it so you know, I think, them. I think it does the. Uh, and this is a tribute to Frank Miller at that time before he kind of lost it. But at that time, Frank Miller was, you know, it was su- it was such an innovation, and it's it's bled into almost all like especially movie versions, but into the comics too. That dark, realistic version of your su- superheroes and stuff. But when you contrast when I with me when I contrasted this with the Nolan movies. Um, boy, this worked so much better with the dark character, mm-hmm. and because because of the, they both. The, I mean, this movie throws a million things. There's nu- averted nuclear war. Yeah, um, just... things going on. You know, a, a war in a, a, you know, a far flung part of the world and stuff, and all kinds of intrigue and the Joker and. Superman and Batman. Yeah, and they didn't trim any from the comic at all. Nothing. Really. I mean, it was all in there, and that's why they probably had to do it in two parts. I'm glad they did. Two hours, about the same, a yeah. little, little less time. Well, each than one's actually, Nolan I think about 80, 80 minutes, I think, each episode was. Okay, so about the same length as a, as a Nolan Batman movie. Yeah. And throwing out as much stuff as Nolan threw into, into both of the, the last two movies... But the thing is, everything in this, every little thing sort of serves to underline the character of old Batman. Yeah. You know, and his motivations. Everything either underlines his motivations or shows something about the world around him that makes him what he is, reacting like he is. And instead of like 15 interlocking storylines that don't really even have to go together. It's just a complicated web of stories. This one just felt more... It communicated its point more, and it did it in a in a cartoony manner, Yeah. which I think works for this. Yeah. It works better than doing it in a fully realistic manner. And uh, the message is a lot better. You like this, Batman? You know, this Batman's a, a real character, yeah. pretty much. It's I, I really liked it. I really liked it, and I, and I tend to find that the more I look into the DC animated universe, the more I wonder, why don't they port over these writers and directors? I mean, yeah, okay, this is animated, so... The, they're thinking, well, this is more cartoony. And that's part if of it. If you did a live because, action movie yeah, you like almost, this, it you would couldn't be do that. Yeah, I mean, you really couldn't yeah, you do could that. You could with a good director. Yeah. Robert I mean, Rodriguez. They certainly spent enough money on, right. uh, on Dark Knight Rises. And I was, you know, when I learned what the premise of Dark Knight Rises was, the whole eight year retirement thing and all that, um, 
you know, I was hoping it was going to be more like Dark Knight Returns. I mean, that was like the perfect opportunity for Nolan to give a nod of the hat to that and kind of craft that kind of story, but he, I, I think he failed in a lot of aspects. <laughs> well, I think he was like thematically in all the movies trying to take the Dark Knight sort of feel to it. I remember when I saw, remember before, um, the second Dark Knight movie, they put out basically the first like five minutes of it as, yeah. a, as a trailer, and you'd go in the movies and saw the whole bank robbery sequence yeah. from the beginning of it. And I remember seeing that and going, oh, "All right, this is this is a dark, this is a Frank Miller Dark Knight yeah. like, retelling of it." You know, this is like the and and what was up with the was the Joker this gay in in the comics? You were asking me that. I. I... <laughs> I haven't read the comics it was, in a while. Yeah, me either. They played it up was, in this one. I don't think it was quite that overt. Yeah, he was making he was making premature ejaculation jokes at the <laughs> Batman and stuff towards <laughs> yeah, the end. Yeah, he was. And then they had the scene where he's getting his makeup guy in the. In that the was pretty much from the comic. I mean, was he it? was yeah, he was basically like yeah, I brought my own makeup, sweetie, and all that. But right, right, I mean, but the uh, uh, and then they give the makeup guy like the voice of Paul Lind. Yeah, you know, yeah. just sort of like. I, I think that's been the tendency with the Joker. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. in recent years, anyway, and it wasn't so much. I mean, I don't think the Dark Knight movie really caused it, but I I played both of the Batman video games, the Arkham Asylum ones, and those play that up a lot with Mark Hamill doing an awesome uh, job in it. But that's just like overt to the whole thing. Maybe they're trying to distract <laughs> the homoerotic Batman Robin thing away, which they dispense of. As Frank Miller did by making Robin a, a girl in this one. Yeah, which that whatever actress that was, she nailed that from. She did a good job. Yeah, they, and that was funny because that was where when they first showed her, that was when I was like, okay, they're really getting the visual style of Frank Miller down yeah. because Frank Miller draws those big lips on people. Yeah. And they're weird looking, but they don't look too. They don't actually look as exaggerated as they really are. And I was surprised. I did notice, in char- as far as character design goes, they they took the basic character designs for all the characters from the comics and made them Frank Miller like. Yeah. But when they had to come up with like background people sitting at a table, they looked like all the people in all the other DC animated yeah. things. Yeah. You know, they're just sort of generic people and stuff. Nobody. They didn't try to. Say okay, how would we do? How would I do a stylized background person for Frank Miller? They just did that, which was probably a good, good decision. Yeah, and I think it's probably necessary because I mean you didn't really even see that much as far as background people in in the original Miller. I don't think no, because it was just these very it's always simple tight close-ups, panels. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of TV screen panels. <laughs> yeah, basically they, they did the that, a good job of translating that too. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that's easy when you're watching yeah. it on TV. You yeah. just set up the, you got the whole pattern right there, so yeah. you just do the news Perfect. thing. Basically, that was a comic was almost just telling them this is how you would do it in a movie. You could just do it as a TV. Just, the comic was trying to ape the TV style. We so were that, talking also about as far as characters and how they decided to go full Reagan on this one. Oh my God! Which was good, you know. It's totally dated it, and it was perfect. He, he was kind of a parody of Reagan in the comic. Yeah, it's it was, funny because it, the, the funny thing is, this was I think before Frank Miller became co- sort of conservative too, mm-hmm. and so you know now I don't know if Frank Miller would want to do as much of a harsh 
it was gently harsh, you know. It wasn't as harsh on Reagan as it was on just sort of like, this is how presidents act. Yeah. But in the comic, it was sort of like he was sort of Reagan-like. In this one, he's got the voice. Totally, yeah. He you know, looks... Pictures he of him on the wall and the cowboy hat and a horse. Yeah. And, you know. Hey, all right. All right, we got some city, <laughs> city sounds. It's Saturday night, it's yeah. raining, and, and people's car alarms are going off, so... There you go, in glorious stereo. <laughs> you are there. It's um, been happening a lot on the street for some reason. But there were all these things that I'd forgotten about the comic, like when he's having his first conversation with Superman. And yeah. and what's funny is in the in the comic, he's just sort of sitting there with the eagle perched on his arm. Yeah. And this one, the eagle flies right down, you know, it's like... My old friend Superman, I am the spirit of America sitting on your arm. Yeah, they played up the cheesy moments nice like that, and but it didn't feel out of place It was great. It was great. It actually was, you know, that was that's the sort of thing, I think, like, if they were doing this as a theatrical live-action movie, they would shy away from it. They'd be like... Yeah. That's ah, too much. It would be like, um, um, what was it, Mars Attacks with Tom Jones with the Falcon landing on his yeah. arm and stuff. But you know, it's if if you if you got people going on with it, you can get away with that stuff. You can sell it, and I think I don't know. I think DC should start paying attention to the. They've got their animated movies yeah. right in front of them. Yeah. Why don't they look at them and translate that into Yeah, into they're not movies. afraid to spend the money on it. The new Man of Steel is probably gonna you know, probably two hundred and fifty million dollar movie. Aye, aye, aye. That's gonna look awesome. You'll I'm see sure. every penny on the screen, yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, get some decent writers and you know or just different writers. How many, you know how many of the same movie by David Goyer are we gonna have to go see now? I don't know, but that's another podcast. But yeah. this, I mean, I don't even know the, who was behind the scenes. I know Bruce Timm's got his fingers in it somewhere. Got his name in the credits. And it may be one of his last ones, because he's, that's what, what we were uh, kind of wishing the other night, you know, playing Wish Upon a Star and saying, well, Bruce Timm's leaving DC Animation. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he'll be the actual, you know. The director of the live-action Justice League or something. Well, I'm, I guess they're saying now that there'll be a second Superman movie <coughs> before the Justice League. Mm-hmm. I, I bet the bet that was their plan was Superman Returns too, but I don't know. Well, I think that would be a good idea because maybe if they do that, they'll do it as a, a way to introduce some of the other Justice. You know, maybe we'll have a Superman movie that has Batman in it yeah. and has some of the other characters in it. And, does a, does a little world building, which uh, would be good because then it would allow Superman to be Superman. Yeah. You know, instead of having to go over his origin or, or yeah. have, have something to struggle, some inner turmoil to struggle through. That was the beauty about this, too, and most of DC Animated is that they, they operate from the premise that you know these characters. Right, right. And we don't, they know it's DC fans running these things, you know, it's not, they don't have to cover a billion dollars, you know, in profit with the the movie theaters. That's the one, yeah, and and they probably don't make as much money as the movies are, so they're, so if these are successful, they're, you know, they're mildly successful in terms of money. But they've actually, I mean, they, they must spend something on them, because they're getting some pretty good named actors, um... Well, Peter Weller seems to be... Uh, he's a hot commodity right he needs, now. He, needs, he either needs work or he's feeling 
spry and uh, wants to get a lot of stuff under his belt, or maybe he's got some grandkids who need to go to college or yeah. something. And going back um, to like his performance, I think I've forgiven him a little more over the last day, and that I got to thinking about most of his performances, and they're just. That's Peter Weller. That's his voice. Yeah. That's kind of his delivery, too. So. Yeah, and I don't know he's if he's necessarily himself, much of a voice actor, really. No. I don't know if that he's really known <laughs> for... This may have been one of his earlier forays into it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... Yeah, it almost sound... I said the difference between the first disc and the second one. It, was, it might have been two different sessions, and yeah. whoever was in charge in the studio could have been a prick in the first one, and all the actors were just like, yeah. I'll just do my life. Or just rushed, and they're like, yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Put it sounds in the good, yeah. yeah. And uh, in the second one, it definitely has a lot more flow to it. And yeah. Not that the first one was bad, it just, like, it escalates, and... It escalates really well and moves along really well. But just to reiterate what I told you the other night, I, you know, it's a nerdgasm to have uh, RoboCop playing Batman. Yeah, that's, that's just novel in itself. So. I also I, I would have even forgiven a shout out to RoboCop if they wanted to put in there, but <laughs> they they could have so easily. Yeah. I mean, how many opportunities could they had to just have the 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 TV? Click on I'll buy that for a dollar for sure, a second. Uh, you know, yeah. that's all you needed was I'll buy that for a dollar and then a laugh track and it certainly had some great comic book happy. Easter eggs. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple shots of you know comic shops basically or newsstands. Newsstands was comics on the rack. Yeah, we got to see. I'm, not, I'm sure Alan Moore is real happy about this, but <laughs> you know, we got to see covers of V for Vendetta and you know the Watchmen and. I think even League of Extraordinary Gentlemen might yep, have been there. Yep, there's a swap thing. Yeah, yeah swap So heavy thing. on the Alan Moore. Yeah. So. Although when Superman comes to town and goes whipping through town, yeah, it's I like Justice it, League and the Justice Flash. Justice League, and it was the Flash ones that were getting pulled off that were flying through the mm-hmm. air, so that was pretty cool. So, yeah, you got to wonder of the, the motivation behind those, but they're, they're good little in-jokes. To somebody, anyway, but it was interesting to see. To the people who were watching it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, though, I was getting them. So if I'm getting them, I'm on the I'm on the edges. I'm on the edge of, especially in the DC universe. I don't know much about the. You know, I wouldn't have known that that was the Green Arrow until right. he started shooting arrows, and then I'm like, oh, they're bringing back. That's who it is. It's the Green mm-hmm. Arrow. Okay, <laughs> I wouldn't have known by his first name. You know. What was it, Oliver? Oh, yeah, or? Oliver Queen. Yeah, I knew that much, at least reading it the first time around. But I'm not huge into DC, but I know the, the basics, my JLA basics, I guess. I was Marvel, and I was a Marvel guy just in a thin period, you know, in a six- to seven-year period mm. in the 80s, and that's it. And, that, and, and my expertise goes nowhere after that. Well, I was for the most part, too, I mean. But I think it was actually probably Dark Knight Returns that like, got me back into Batman and stuff for a while. So, you know, I was a chameleon. I went with the flow, you know, whatever the hot. You know, I did my Spawn time and all mm-hmm. that too. So. Well, when Spawn first came it was out, a comic horror. I thought it was very ex- a lot. Yeah, but that's. <laughs> I mean, that's why that demand. Like when Spawn first came out, I thought it was very um, innovative and mm-hmm. neat and interesting. And it's only over time <laughs> that like. I remember being like, see, when I saw McFarland's art, I'm like, this kid's got a lot of style and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And now looking back at it, when I look at it, I'm like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all right. And it's your good. standards change, too. Yeah, my standards change. I think change. general comic art 
in the last, you know, lately is just generally really good. There's just not too much, like, you don't open any random comic from Marvel, DC, and see flat-out shitty art. Yeah. Like, you would sometimes, uh, often in the 80s or... And I'm not sure like I was ever such a big art, you know, junkie. Like, I mean, it, it wasn't... I don't think I the story was. was always, I think, the primary for me. I always liked drawing and stuff in high school, yeah. so I was always... And, and I definitely the, appreciate it because, like, Claremont burn, you know, burn stuff for the X Men is always going to be my favorite X Men, uh-huh. and, and Miller's stuff is you know, obviously it's like my favorite Daredevil. Electro, uh, yeah, Electro Assassin was a really good series too. That's something I'd love to see done seriously, you know, by Marvel Animation or something. But I don't know if enough people really got into that for it to be profitable for them. And somebody should just reboot Daredevil and start and do the Marvel or do the you know uh, clip notes. You could probably do a three movie arc of the of the Frank Miller years, sure, and and have Electra being the you know sort of arching thing through it. I'm and hoping it now that he's awesome. back with Marvel, so I'm, I mean, if they're gonna do Guardians of the Galaxy, why not do another Daredevil? <laughs> is my opinion because nobody knows who Guardians of the Galaxy is, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's enough reboots now that people are used to it. And go, okay, and, and it's not like they're going to be worried about you know taking anything away from the Affleck. No, no Affleck. No, not really. Can yeah. Go up from there. Although I, I did enjoy that interpretation of it. It was just. Part. It was good to see something actually recently spawned from Frank Miller. Yeah. Even though it's from the past, that was. Well, you cut out really Electra from that movie, me. and you know make a better bullseye it's actually a pretty good movie <laughs> yeah I the, the one thing the only thing I liked it. about the only thing I liked about that movie was the effect of how his radar sense worked yeah that pretty much looked like I would that I was like that seems like plausible yeah, yeah. everything else about it was it, as soon as the kingpin was a normal size well normal he was a big guy yeah but he wasn't like you know, I'm not scandalized by oh, the kingpin's not supposed to be black. No, Whatever. I have no problem with that. No, the yeah. kingpin's supposed to be fucking huge. Yeah, it's supposed to be a sumo wrestler. Yeah, essentially. he's a sumo wrestler and some sort of weird mutated sumo wrestler because yeah, he's almost, almost twice your height. Yeah. You know, and he's he's like I remember like the in the Miller one where you know Daredevil's pounding, beating on him, and he's like he's like he's made out of solid rock. What the hell? <laughs> He looks fat, but he's like solid muscle, and uh, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, I, I fear. Well, I fear that like if you, you keep doing some like Martha Washington, that was some really good Frank Miller. He I never wrote got that. to read Dave, that. Yeah. Dave Gibbons did the art for it. Mm. That was real. I haven't read any of the sequels, but the first Martha Washington series was really good, and then he went downhill. So if they if they start doing like good Daredevil, good Frank Miller stuff from that time period, I just hope it doesn't um, give him enough stock so he can make another movie like The Spirit <laughs> or something like that, you know? Or because uh, he's just he's just lost it. He's probably gonna have his hands all over Sin City too, which I'm actually kind of dreading that movie. As long as he doesn't direct it, if they get Rodriguez, yeah, Rodriguez supposed to direct it. I don't know. I, yeah, I believe so. Or it's going to be a collaboration like the first one. Okay, that's you know. that's fine. That worked <laughs> yeah. out fine because yeah, it, it was a real director on, on, you know. Frank Miller probably was there and he w- watched what Rodriguez did. Yeah. And he said, 
I can do that because you can do that. Yeah. It's a director's job is not impossible. It's just fucking shitty and hard. But you know, a lot of it is sit- is making decisions. And he was like, I can make decisions, and he sure could. But Robert Rodriguez made good decisions, <laughs> and Frank Miller made bad decisions. But he knew how to to he saw obviously how visually it got filmed. Yeah, and, and he portrayed that in the spirit, but. Even visually, he didn't get it. You know, he got it technically right, but it didn't have that. It was, yeah, it was just like, oh, okay, somehow Frank Miller doesn't understand movies. Mm. He he really should because he's one of the most cinematic. Yeah, when he rips his scenes right from his own stuff, he does okay, but when he tries to come up with (laughs) kind of original blocking, he's in trouble. And maybe he could even pull off a Sin City movie, actually, but. Stuff like the the spirit that was just yeah that's that I actually there is a podcast about that you can listen I have a media I don't know which number it is go look it up but there's a media masochist podcast okay. about the spirit that might actually be one of the first ones that might actually be number one that one number one that pissed that movie pissed me off but not this one this one made me happy inside yeah even though it was dark and bloody and and uh you know because i've sort of turned off to the not turned off but i'm sort of sick of the dark the The darkness now yeah Yeah, i avengers was really like the last straw in that to say oh look here's the complete opposite and guess what we made it work so it's possible yeah yeah so i'm i've been sort of looking forward to a golden age of that's a up colorful, yeah, upbeat, back to the costumes. fun, fun, yeah, back to the costumes, but with a bra- enough of a brain to them, so that it's that it just doesn't discredit <coughs> all of nerddom. Uh, we may we may be, I don't know. I've read Joss Whedon interviews. It says he he wants to go dark with Avengers too, small and dark, and make everyone's life miserable. Yeah, but that could just be him being a, a, a you know, a jerk about it, just yeah. taking a poke. Because well, taking a poke at his own reputation, because you know, they can't believe that the only person who died in the last movie was Agent Coulson, who's coming back. Who didn't die, yeah. yeah. I hear they actually put a different cut in the Blu-ray of it, to where he doesn't get completely scared oh, really? through it, just okay. sort of goes into him. Uh, so the rewriting of history. Yeah, got to fix that up for the TV show because yeah. I think he's going to be on the TV show. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm total. I would be totally primed for that for superhero movies that and and you know and those would play out till they start getting stupid and goofy and then I'll be ready for more. You know, okay, bring back the darkness. Give me some. Yeah. You know, and the well, Guardians in the Galaxy should be pretty. Interesting, you know, and hopefully how dark can it be with Rocket Raccoon? Well, right, and hopefully it doesn't sink into Jar Jar territory or something. But um, that here's the thing, to be though. Seen. <laughs> here's the thing, though. People seem to have learned their lesson from. Jar oh yeah, Jar. there haven't really wild. been many Jar Jars after Jar Jar no. and anything. He, people did not copy that. No, luckily. Except for Lucas for two more movies. That just I just <laughs> that, I just never thought of that. Remember us everybody copied Star Wars. There's been no prequel <laughs> episode one rip off movies out there. 
No. Not intentionally any. Anyway. No, I haven't seen any plots concerning trade embargoes and things no. like that. <laughs> Taxation. Maybe Planet. they made Dune again. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Dune. Alright. Yeah, we're off topic. Anyway, uh, well worth your Blu-ray mm-hmm. money. Dark Knight 2. Uh, or Dark Knight Returns 1 and 2. We'll wait a couple months. They might go down in price a bit. Um, they do have some great extras uh, as far as um, documentaries and stuff. Apparently there's a look at the new Superman Unbound on the second disc ah. as well. So. Yeah, there's no... Yeah. I haven't checked on my extras on part two yet. That's what makes a Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Or, a, you know, a disc. That's the only reason I would ever want. That's why I love Criterion stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Also, uh, as 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 always, so far, maybe it's because there's a little cherry picking going on. I haven't just like randomly picked the DC universe thing, but I've been of the stuff I've been exposed to. It's been about a hundred percent. This is hitting it on the nose. Yeah, so. I mean, they do some quality work, and I'm just hoping they can eventually. Translate that over to the movies with a character other than Batman. <laughs> and I'm very happy that they took. Uh, um, it's funny because we did a show on um, Batman Year One, and they sort of soft pedaled a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's and that that source material was less bloody than Dark Knight Returns, but they didn't soft pedal on Dark Knight Returns. No, they not actually, at all. actually turned on the gas. Yeah, it's so. pretty much a hard PG thirteen. Yes, it is. Mean, it's, it's I you know I mean if I had my kids they'd be watching blood sucking freaks at age six but you know I definitely if you have kids that are that are not teenagers yeah that are thirteen minus and even some of your thirteen year olds some of your parents out there who are no fun um, yeah you might want to preview this one because you could read Dark Knight ahead of it but there's still there's some extra blood in this yeah, one there's a lot more arterial spray in this yes yes than on the page <laughs> yeah so yeah and don't let the first part fool you if you're either happy with or and or alarmed by the body count in the first one don't worry the second one will not disappoint <laughs> yeah. you or will horrify you. They did a perfect <laughs> break as far as where to stop, you know, the first disc and, and do the mm-hmm. second. I can't it's mm-hmm. really kind of amazing how much they stuffed into as you're saying. They just there's a lot to chew on in, in both these. parts. And they they pretty much cover book one and two, you know, in the first disc and three and four in the second one. So it's it's pretty it's one of their better better creations, definitely. It was definitely done by people that Loved the source material, I think. Yeah, yeah. Loved it, knew it, and understood it. All right, well. That's about all I got. I'm sure we'll be watching more nerd stuff, so look out for more Five Minute Freaks from the back porch, especially, you know, during the summer when, uh... When it's warm enough to do that. Yeah. All right, we'll see you next time.
You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for... Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, two True, True Freaks. Freaks. finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.